the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a battle going on for the souls of men. The taste of war is ever dear. But I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride. She is the keeper of my soul. She is the church of Christ. I'll not Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Breidenbaugh of the Gospel Defender Ministries. This gospel message will encourage and equip those who have ears to hear to be a Christian, clothed with the armor of a gospel defender. Ladies and gentlemen, you have no doubt already heard the account of the rich young ruler. However, at this time, we consider it once again. As we examine this account, we will consider the ruler, the rules, the responses, and the reward. First, we consider the ruler. Matthew writes, Behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is, God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Matthew says, Behold, when a writer of the scriptures writes, Behold, it is written to get our attention. The word carries with it the idea of fastening your eyes upon the object to behold. There is something extremely important we are to learn from this account. And so I say to you at this time, Behold, in Mark's account of this event, we are told that this young man came running and knelt before Jesus. It was only appropriate that he did this since Jesus is the Christ, the only begotten Son of God. How many people do you know who would do this today? Why is it that when Jesus lived, many came running and kneeling? Now that he has resurrected from the dead, only a few come 
and they come grunting and squealing. I may not have the real answer to my own question, but I cannot help but think that people of the first century saw something in Jesus. People do not see in the 21st century Christians. Every day, people saw in Jesus a person who was truly godly. First century people knew the kingdom of God was real to Jesus every day, not just on Sunday. From the time of Luke 2, verse 49, people had seen that to Jesus, his church was foremost in his heart and mind. The church was the daily business of Jesus, not only the first day of the week business. If we could get more Christians to make Jesus first on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, as they pretend he is on Sunday, we would have more people running and kneeling to Jesus on the Lord's day and show it by sitting at the table upon which is placed his body and his blood. Matthew also says this young man of chapter 19 called Jesus Master. Except for the apostles of Jesus Christ, no other person but Nicodemus ever called Jesus a master teacher. This young man was indeed unusual. He was young and he was rich. But what really made him unusual is he sought information about salvation. What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? He was concerned about his eternity. He was concerned not about what would make him happy, but what was necessary for him to do to be saved. He was a young person who had his priorities right. I have been in the preaching and teaching ministry of Jesus Christ for five plus decades, and I have yet for anyone come running to me asking the question, Preacher, what must I do to be saved? And this is the primary objective of my life, to tell people how to be saved. But no one is asking me this question. Regardless, if no one ever asks, I will continue to keep giving the answer to this most important question. It is, as Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. It is, as Apostle Peter preached, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Some think Jesus' reply in Matthew 19, verse 17, was a reproof or rebuke. Why do you call me good? But I think not. The young man was correct. Jesus is the good master. Rather than reproving or rebuking the ruler, Jesus was simply assisting and aiding his faith by asking him that question. Yes, you are right, young man, I am good. But why do you call me good? The answer to the young man's question 
what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life, was keep the commandments. Of course, as we see by the subsequent conversation of Jesus, those commandments were the Ten Commandments which now, in this present-day dispensation, have been nailed to the cross of Christ. And yet, the answer is still the same for us today. To be saved, we must keep the commandments of the New Testament dispensation. Blessed are those who do His commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter through the gates into the city, wrote John the Apostle in Revelation 22, verse 14. Ladies and gentlemen, you will never receive eternal life except by keeping the New Testament commandments of Jesus Christ and His apostles concerning how to be saved. No one will ever have a right to the eternal tree of life and enter through the gates of the New Jerusalem without keeping the commandments of salvation which includes the commandment to be immersed in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Next, we consider the rules. The rules applicable to the ruler are those referred to in Matthew 19, verses 18 and 19. Jesus referred to six of the Ten Commandments. When Moses went atop Mount Sinai to receive the written law of God, God placed the first four commandments on one table of stone and the last six commandments on a second table of stone. The first four of the Ten Commandments concerned man's duty to God, and the last six of the Ten Commandments concerned man's duty to man. Jesus served the young man only the bread of life from the second table, and it was a table from which it was difficult for the young man to eat. As the account reveals, the young man believed he was faultless in his relationship to God, but this was not true regarding his responsibilities to his fellow man. He failed miserably. Jesus reminded him of that fact. Ladies and gentlemen, no one would argue that Jesus was not the first, the best preacher of God's Word who ever walked God's globe. No one would be so silly or ignorant to argue that. So, therefore, take heed. Jesus knew this young man's heart. And because he knew his heart, Jesus knew that the young man fell miserably short when it came to six of the Ten Commandments. Jesus was not a preacher like some among us today who tell their audiences how good they are. He told people living in his day not what made them feel good, but what they needed to hear to be right with God. The job of the preacher is not to tell people how good they are. After all, most of us know how good we are. 
The job of the preacher is to remind those created in God's image how far short they fall from God's will, and then to preach how to do God's will. The average church member would rather receive a pat on the behind as the preacher tells him or her how wonderful it has been to have them in the assembly as she or he leaves the church building on the one Sunday out of the four that he or she has decided to attend. The church member goes on his merry way, living the same way he did before he entered the church doors, believing that all is well and that he has fooled the preacher again. The preacher has petted his pets to make sure they come back next week to play church again with him. Ladies and gentlemen, if this describes your preacher, you need to pray that God will send you someone like Jesus who will tell you what you really need to hear. As far as the commandments were concerned, the rich young ruler asked, All these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? But when he asked, What do I still lack? He opened himself to the judgment of Christ. Mark says Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said, One thing you lack. Ask Jesus a question, and he will always give you an honest answer whether you like it or not. Ask Jesus how to be saved from your sin, and he will always give you an honest answer. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Ask Jesus how many churches he built, and he will give you an honest answer. One, his church. Ask Jesus how often must the church observe the Lord's Supper, and he will give you an honest answer. Upon the first day of the week. What week? Every week. Ask Jesus the name of his church, and he will give you an honest answer. The churches of Christ salute you. Ask Jesus a question, and he will always give you an honest answer. In the case of the rich young ruler, the answer to his question, What do I still lack? was he lacked a good and honest heart. This rich young ruler had a heart problem. It was filled with covetousness, which is idolatry. He was guilty of transgressing the very first of the Ten Commandments that said he was to have no other God before Jehovah God. The rich young ruler's God was mammon, materialism, and his God came before God Almighty. Though he would never think of killing anyone, neither did he give any thought to feeding a man dying from hunger or clothing a man who was freezing to death. Though he would never think of hurting anyone, 
neither would he think of helping anyone. When it came to his possessions, it was hands off. Things have not changed much in the last 21 centuries. Most people, even some who profess to be a follower of Christ, are filled with covetousness. They covet their time. They have no time to serve God or His church. They have no time to read or to study God's Word or to pray. They have no time to attend church assemblies to be taught the Word of God. There is time for most anything else, but there is no time for God. People are rushing to hell as if it were a bargain. Ladies and gentlemen, you will not be in hell five seconds until you will want to blow the whistle for a timeout. But there are no timeouts in hell. What many never wanted in this life will be their eternal gift in hell, an eternity with no timeouts for or with God. Only those who took time out to serve God here in this present life will enjoy an eternity of timeouts with God in the life to come. There are those in the church whose lives are ruled by covetousness. Many congregations are strapped for money to get the gospel of Jesus Christ outside the four walls of their church building through radio, television, and printing ministries because of covetous church members. Souls go to hell because the church is more sold on themselves and their things than on the church and her mission. What do I still lack in the case of the rich young ruler. It was his heart that lacked love for God and his creation. We have taken a bird's eye view of the ruler and the rules, now a word about the responses. There were three responses to the conversation between Jesus Christ, the ruler of the universe, and the rich young ruler who was ruled by his riches. First, when the young man heard Jesus say, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Mark says he was sad at that word. The reason was not that he did not get his question answered, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? He did not get his question answered in a way that suited him, and thus it is today. Some go away sorrowful from this radio broadcast because they do not hear it said that they can be saved right where they are by praying the sinner's prayer. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, the plan of salvation was written not to suit you, but to save you. Like the rich young ruler, many choose to leave Jesus Christ in sorrow rather than to believe and obey Jesus Christ 
and rejoice in their salvation. Second, we are told the disciples of Jesus were greatly astonished. That which caused their astonishment was Jesus teaching them that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, and that it would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of God. Third, we are told that Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? Peter said, Lord, fasten your eyes upon that which we have left to follow you. You can always count on Peter to make a ridiculous remark every now and then. But before we are quick to rebuke Peter for his ridiculous remark, we need to ask ourselves the question, what have we given up for the cause of Christ? Peter gave up his fishing business, his nets, his boats, his home, his family. That isn't a bad track record when you stop and think about it. Compare it with what the average Christian has forsaken for the cause of Christ and Peter's record looks pretty impressive. But even if you were to die as a missionary on some foreign field, owning absolutely nothing, it would measure as nothing in comparison to what it cost the Son of God to purchase our salvation. The Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor that we through his poverty might be rich. Have you ever left a mansion of glory for a mess at Golgotha, Peter? Peter, have you ever left a throne of authority for thorns of agony? Peter, have you ever given up a crown of majesty for a cross of murder? Of course, the answer is no. Not only for Peter, but for ourselves as well. Whatever is given up for the cause of Christ is never in vain, be it small or great, be it that of an apostle or of a Christian. The ruler, the rules, the responses, and now a brief word about the rewards. Jesus said to his disciples that day, Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit everlasting life. The reward for serving Christ is great. Only a faithful servant of Christ understands the immensity of the reward. Only a person who has obeyed the old-fashioned Jerusalem gospel to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins can be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, you can leave this message grieved or relieved, mad or glad, saved or depraved. What will it be? If you want to enter into life,
keep the commandments of salvation. There's a battle going on for the souls of men. The taste of war is ever near. But I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride. She is the keeper of my soul. She is the church of Christ. I'll not Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Breidenbaugh speaking. You have just heard another Gospel Defender Ministries radio broadcast brought to you by the church that Jesus built and preaches all of the word to all of the world. Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 16, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. So find someone today who will immerse you into Christ today before it is everlastingly too late. Our mailing address is Gospel Defender Ministries, Post Office Box 575, Chillicothe, C-H-I-L-L-I-C-O-T-H-E, Chillicothe, Ohio, zip, 45601. You can also contact us through the World Wide Web at gospel-defender.org or by email at agosdef, A-G-O-S-D-E-F, agosdef at roadrunner.com. At your request, written transcript or an audio copy of today's message will be sent to you free of charge with no obligation from you now or in the future. We need to hear from you as soon as possible. So please, take the time to contact us today. Now until you and I meet again at this same time and at this same place, our prayer is that you will be steadfastly set for the defense of the gospel. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.